Matthew now recorded, we don't really have any more miracles recorded until you get to Calvary and the resurrection. From this time on, Jesus is really, after, really after here, verse 4, Jesus is going to spend the majority of his time preparing the disciples for his departure. He's readying them for his leaving. And so the, from the other thing that's going on here as well is now the opposition from the religious leaders from here on out is going to grow. It's going to get harder. It's going to get more intense. Uh, they are against him. And I'll tell you, Satan uses the most unsuspecting people to keep us from God's will. He will use all sorts of people. Hey, do you not remember when Jesus turned to Peter? When he said, I'll not let it happen. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God. What is he doing? He, he, G, Jesus was attributing Peter's words to being the words of Satan. And he said, stop it. You're not, you're not going to hold me back. You're gonna, not going to stop me. And so, you know, uh, Satan is always about hindering us in the will of God. And it comes from all sorts of places and unsuspecting places, which kind of really leads into uh, this, these four verses here and how necessary it is to know the Word of God and to be certain of the Word of God and, and to have the Word of God as your uh, focal point and... Um, as your end all to every aspect of life. But as we get here in verse 1 of chapter 16, um, it's kind of interesting because we're coming to a place here where some most, the most unsuspecting friends, if you understand your New Testament history, some of the most unsuspecting friends are going to show up here to where Jesus is, Okay. And uh, look at verse 1. Jim read this. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came. Well, that's interesting. Really, the Pharisees and the Sadducees weren't pals. Now, there are four different sects within Judaism. There, oh, there might have been a... I'm trying to think if we might have counted one as a fifth one. No. I'm trying to think of a... Never mind. i got to move on. There's four that I have written down here. That are the most prominent anyway. And of course you have the Pharisees. You have the Sadducees. You have the Herodians who are all for the, the family of Herod. And, the, and they were a, more of a political sect. And then you had the quiet little group of Essenes out in the Wadi Qumran. And uh, they were the ones responsible for the writing of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, and uh, some have surmised, an uncle of mine asked me one time if I believed Jesus lived in an Essene colony because it was typical of the Essenes to take in orphans. I don't believe so, obviously, because we have his ministry here. Um, they they kind of point to the quiet years of up in, uh, from 12 years old up until when he started his ministry as 30, and they wonder about it. Not, not good to, to interject things that the Bible doesn't say. Not always that helpful to do that. And, uh, but I'm going to interject something. I don't think it's out of the pale of possibility that John, right, the, John the Baptist might have been raised in an Essene colony. I don't, I don't put that past. Uh, he was out in the wilderness. His parents obviously were gone. They were older. They were gone. Um, but again, total, total uh, um, just uh, a complete uh, um, guess. Let me put it that way. I looked for a much better word, and that's all I could come up with. So a complete guess. So here we are in these four, these four um, sects in Israel. Uh, 
And the two of the major ones being the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, if you remember, the Pharisees were a religious sect. They believed the written law. They believed the Torah. They believed the oral law, which we call the Talmud. They believed in a coming Messiah. They believed the Messiah would restore the kingdom to Israel. And uh, they also believed in angels. I mean, you say, well, what does that matter? Well, the Sadducees were kind of a little different here. The Sadducees were a political sect. Uh, They believed in the written law. They did not believe in the oral law. Okay, they only believed in the Torah. They did not accept the Talmud. They did not, because of that, they did not believe in angels. They did not believe in a resurrection. And uh, because they said none of these issues were addressed in the law of Moses on Sinai. So they just wholesale rejected all of those. So really between these two groups, the, the, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, there was very little agreement. And now if you would actually go back over or turn to the back or turn forward, however you like to say it, to the book of Acts in, in chapter 23, let me show you, give you a little insight here of the, of the contention between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Remember uh, the apostle Paul was here. He was uh, giving his plea in chapter 23. And if you look in verse 1 of chapter 23, it says, Paul, earnestly beholding the council, he was brought before the council for what he was doing, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded, uh, uh, until this day, and the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. Then said Paul unto him, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall. Oh, wow. For, for, for sittest thou to judge me after the law and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law? Right? Uh, you're upset about what I'm doing, supposedly, and you're going against the law uh, to correct what you think I'm going against the law. That doesn't make sense, does it? And so they stood by and said, Revilest thou God's high priest? Then Paul said, I wist not, brethren, that he was the high priest, for it is written, Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. He said, I didn't know it. All right, verse 6, but when Paul perceived, here it is, that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. I am called into question. So he brings up the resurrection because he knows the Sadducees don't believe this, right? And when he had said so, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the multitude was divided for the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. And there arose a great cry and the scribes that were of the Pharisees part arose and strove saying, we find no evil in this man, but if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him, let us not fight against God. And then the, and when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force among them and to bring him into the castle. He got a fight going. That, that's how you break up the dumb meeting. Get them fighting with themselves and you just kind of hopefully have them come get you out, right? And so there was a contention there. There was a battle there between the Pharisees and the, and, and, and the Sadducees. And they were a, a common enemy, okay? So as we come into verse 1 of chapter 16... The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came? Well, that's strange. (laughs) Right? That's kind of strange. What is the meaning of this? 
Why would they do this? You've heard the saying, haven't you? Right? The enemy of my enemy is my what? Friend. You know what? They, now they had a common enemy. They had a common enemy. enemy. Wasn't it amusing? Oh, I'm so sorry to bring into politics. But wasn't it amusing when President Trump was president to watch all of those people that hated each other come together as friends to hate one other, one person? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They had, there was a lot of enemies that had the same enemy that became friends. And so here they are coming together uh, to Jesus. They, it says here, the Pharisees also with the Sadducees came. And look what it says here. And tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. Now, Jesus had already done many miracles. Amen. We, we've gone through most of these. He's already fed 5,000. He's already fed 4,000. He healed the Syrophoenician's daughter, uh, the centurion's servant. He healed Peter's mother-in-law, cast out devils. He healed the, 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 the blind, the deaf, the lame, the sick. I mean, he's done miracles all over the place. And we know this. We know that the Pharisees have been at his meetings. They've seen the healings. They've watched the miracles. Remember after the feeding of the 5,000 over in Matthew 14, they went by ship to Gennesaret. And it says there when they got there, many came to meet Jesus. And they brought those to them that needed to be healed and he healed them. And then as you get into chapter 15, the Pharisees and some of the scribes show up. Watch, the same multitude of Gennesaret are still there. Those that he had been healing, they're still there. And Jesus was healing many. And watch this. The Pharisees, they, they, they were there. They saw the miracles. They watched the miracles. And when Jesus finishes with the Pharisees, because they interrupted him, remember, he turns back to the multitude and he starts ministering to them again. So they're there to see it all. They've watched miracles. Jesus has done many of the miracles, but not only were the Pharisees aware of Jesus' miracles, right? They, they, they heard about them, right? But here they are, they saw them. But here's the problem. They want their own miracle. They want their own miracle. Those miracles aren't good enough for the Pharisees. They want their own miracle. Notice the words used here in verse 1. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came. Look at this word. Tempting and the word desired. Notice the word tempting and the word desired. Tempting means to test craftily. To test, to try to ascertain quality. That's the dictionary definition. They are testing the Lord Jesus to try to figure out uh, what they, what, whether he is truth or not. So they are tempting him. It says it here in Mark 12, 13. The same instance uh, is recorded here in Mark 12, 13. And Mark added these words. to they, they came here tempting him what? To catch him in his words. To catch him in his words. They were trying to get Jesus to mess up. They were getting him to try to, to get him to uh, trip up and say something wrong. And say something unbiblical. Say something uh, blasphemous maybe. They're trying to get him to do that. So it says here they were tempting him. And look at where they, here it says. And they, uh, and they uh, and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. Look at that word desired. That word desired means to interrogate. To interrogate. So they came there to interrogate the Lord Jesus to catch him in his words 
to try to prove him, obviously, to try to prove him a fraud. What a difference between the Gentiles in chapter 15 when they believed, right? What a difference between these, these, uh, these Pharisees who know the Bible, these Sadducees who, who knew uh, the Old Testament, who knew the law of Moses, who have had the scriptures, who supposedly uh, uh, are, are lovers of the word of God, right? What a difference between these who supposedly know and the belief and the acceptance for those who don't know. What was, the, what, 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 was the, what was the difference between them? Well, one had all of this. this uh, let me see. One, one group had all of this, this, this piece, and the other group had the words of Jesus and just believed them. Now, don't forget this because it's going to come later. One group heard Jesus' word and said yes. The other group had all of the evidence beforehand that he was coming, and then when they heard him, they said no. No. Yeah. What a difference. They wanted a sign. Now notice this. They wanted a sign from heaven. They wanted a sign from heaven. Right. What, 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 what are they saying? The signs that Jesus were doing, the, the miracles that they, he was doing, those are earthly signs. Worldly signs, earthly signs. But they wanted a heavenly sign. Tradition says that the Jews believed Satan could counterfeit earthly miracles, but he couldn't counterfeit heavenly miracles. So they're going to test him. Let's see if you're of Satan or not. Let's see if, you're do, let's see if you can do the, the heavenly miracles. They wanted to see a miracle like Elijah when fire came down from heaven. They wanted to see a miracle like Sodom and Gomorrah when a fire came down from heaven, right? They wanted a heavenly miracle. Now, don't believe for a minute that Jesus was not aware of what they were doing. Amen. He absolutely knew. John, John 2 and verse 23 and 25, the Bible says, Now, when he was at Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But he did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what, they, what was in man. Right. That word commit and that word believed is the same word. It's the same word. There were many that believed, quote, in Jesus, but Jesus didn't believe in them. Why? Because he knew their heart. He knew their heart. Don't, don't you think Jesus knows what's going on here? Right. I'd love to have just watched it. <laughs> right. Because now he's going to respond in verse 2. Look at it here. And when he, and he answered and said unto them, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is uh, red and lowering. What a weird answer. <laughs> right? They said, show us a sign from heaven. Well... Red at night, sailors delight. Red in the morn, sailors take warning. Right? Well, show us a sign. Red in the night, sailors delight. Red in the morning, sailors. What a weird answer. I love it because it really isn't an answer. He's just responding to them. I love how seldom Jesus ever answers these questions. Right? He's, he's, he's going from the question and leading like he always does to their heart. 
And so here he is with this, this thing that we know and uh, that we have heard so many times. And look at verse 3. Oh, ye hypocrites, you fake, you fraud. Hey, no, don't you think he knew their heart when they were, came tempting him? To see out if he, if he was a hypocrite and what he calls them? Hypocrite. <laughs> I don't know why I get excited about it. It's just so funny. I mean, he knows what they're thinking. He turns right around and calls them what they're accusing him of. Because they really are what he's accusing them of. They're hypocrites. Right? You can discern the face of the sky, but you can't discern the signs of the times. But you have all of the Old Testament. You have all of the law of Moses. You, you have all of what you would call the oral law. You have all of these things in front of you. You can tell weather, but you can't tell spiritual things. Yeah. And so, what were the times that they were supposed to be discerning? He said here, you can, you can tell the weather from the sky, but look at this, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Jesus said this, watch, Jesus is saying this problem that they have, this inability that they have is actually, he's calling it hypocritical. Yeah. What is the thing that they can't discern? What is the thing that they should be discerning? What spiritual understanding, discernment, what spiritual understanding should they have? Well, the spiritual understanding that they should have is the coming of the Messiah. Right? They should, under, they should know that this was coming. They should understand the, the times that they were living in. They were hypocritical because, watch, they elevated themselves as authority to all things religious right? They knew the law, supposedly. They believed the prophets, supposedly. They believed a Messiah was coming. The Pharisees did, right? Supposedly. So if they were so knowledgeable about the word of God, why were they asking Jesus for a sign? If they had all of the prophets in all of the prophecies of the coming Messiah, and there has not been a prophet for 400 and some years now that Jesus, in Jesus' ministry now after the closing of the Old Testament, there hasn't been a, 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 a prophet speak since that time. So they have all of that they have. Uh, if they know all of these things, why are they asking for a sign? Right? So Jesus reveals the heart of their question. Look at verse 4. Well, the reason you're asking for the signs of the times is because a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Yeah. And there shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. A wicked, wow, an ethically evil, wicked generation. Look at this, adulterous we're going to focus on this here in a little bit. Don't, don't lose this word here. Adulterous. Someone unfaithful in a marriage covenant. Yeah. Somebody unfaithful. So a wicked and evil and an and unfaithful generation. 
Now, this word generation does speak about time frame, you know, 20, 30, 40 year generations, you know, and uh, a lot of people have made made great mistakes about trying to figure out what a generation is in the Bible and uh, how many have read 88 reasons why God was coming back in 88 and that was what? Uh, 30 some years ago, right? And uh, why? Because they did some math trying to figure out generation from 1948 and all of these things when Israel became a nation. And, um, and uh, that, that's, that a generation does mean, you know, a period of time, but it is also metaphorical to just simply uh, describe a group of people that are like each other in pursuits and character. All, a generation is all, that word generation is also used just to describe a group of people who are alike. So he says, a wicked and adulterous group of like-minded people seek after. That word seek after means to demand or clamor for. They begin demanding a sign. A sign. You notice here, the sign itself really isn't the problem, friend. That's not the problem. Jesus did many of them. Right? It's the people demanding after the sign that's the problem. This is what he's honing in on. Not that they asked for a sign. They're, they're, they're honing in on why they're asking for a sign. And he, he reveals it. I could probably just be done right here, right? Because they're wicked. Because they're adulterous. What? Yeah. They're wicked. They're, they're, they're adulterous. They're unfaithful. Unfaithful to what? Remember, God has illustrated his relationship with Israel as a covenant relationship. A covenant relationship. A marriage relationship. Right. And f- watch, faithlessness is akin to infidelity in a relationship with God. Faithless. Faithless. Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it's impossible to please him. Yeah. Faith. Faith is what moved Jesus to say to that Syrophoenician woman oh, that, that came to have her daughter healed. He said, oh woman, great is thy faith. What well, moved him, didn't it? A lack of it is what kept him from doing more, more miracles in his own hometown. Faith. Faith, faith and faithlessness. It's, it's, it, it is a part of a relationship that they were to have with God. So watch this. The seeking of a sign is a sign in and of itself that the one looking for the sign has a real hard problem. Let me say it again. The seeking of a sign is a sign in and of itself that the one seeking the sign... Oh, I need to rewrite that because that's just confusing. Yeah. The one who wants a sign, they got a real heart problem. They got a real heart problem. Why? There's a trust issue. No, there's a trust issue. Yeah. Jesus, what did he say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Show us a sign. 
Jesus said, you know, when Philip said, uh, you know, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Pharisees, show us a sign. Believe me, trust me, follow me, right? Yeah, show us a sign. It's a trust issue. It's a lack of love. Because trust undergirds love, right? So they wanted a sign and Jesus said, no sign. No sign for you. But all these Gentiles got all sorts of healings and miracles and wonders and quote, signs, right? Yeah. They didn't have the Old Testament that you supposedly believe. Watch. They didn't have my word that you supposedly believed. Look what he says. No sign shall be given unto it. What is that word it referring to? Well, the generation. That group of people that are all alike. That group of people that doesn't want a relationship with God. That group of people that doesn't want to trust the words of God. He said, no sign shall be given unto that generation. That group of people. I'm not giving you a sign. He said, but I'll give you this sign. (laughs) I'll give you the sign of the prophet Jonas. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? The sign that Jesus put these religious, that Jesus uh, directed this religious crowd to, the sign that he sent them to, was found in the scripture. He said, I'll give you a sign. I'll give you a sign of scripture. I'll give you the word of God. I'll give you a sign in the word of God, right? The, the sign of the prophet Jonah back in Matthew chapter 12. There's another time when some Pharisees and some of their scribes uh, came uh, to ask Jesus uh, a question for a sign as well. It's like, this is try number two. Now the Pharisees and their scribes couldn't get it. So now the Pharisees teamed up with the Sadducees. They're still trying to catch him in his words. But back in Matthew 12, 40, he said the same thing. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. What did he give them? He gave them his word. Here's a sign. The words that come out of my mouth, the truth that I am speaking, here's the sign. I'm going to cut the way I went in is the way I'm going to come out. Remember what he said? He said the Ninevites believed the preaching of Jonas. Did they have miracles? No. All they had was one guy walking through the city saying, repent, repent, right? Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. And man, every one of them uh, repented. The king repented. They put their animals in sackcloth and ashes. All watch just simply at the preaching of one man named Jonah. But here Jesus comes along and does all of these miracles. He preaches the word. He's he's preaching repentance, right? Just after John does, he goes out preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the Pharisees say, show us a sign. So what's he he pushing them? What's he uh, directing them to? But the resurrection, right? And the word of God. I'll give you a sign. How about when I come out of the grave alive? Will that be good enough for you? Still wasn't good enough. Right? But they didn't want either, did they? They didn't want the resurrection or the word of God. They didn't care. Why? Because they really didn't want Jesus. That's what it all came down to. They really didn't want him. And look what it says here at the the end of verse 4. And he left them and departed. 
I'm done. He walked away. Why? He knows their heart. He didn't sit there and gravel, grovel, or gravel. <laughs> he didn't grovel. He didn't run them down. He didn't sit there and, and, and chase them. He didn't sit there and, and try to convince them. Walked away. So, it's kind of interesting to me that so many Christians can get labeled Pharisees for trying to live a holy life. And when you really understand what the real sin of the Pharisees were, unbelief, yeah, it gets kind of comical when people call you Pharisees all the time. You're such a Pharisee. Well, that's interesting. I thought judging heart and motives is Pharisaical too. Right? You're just doing that because, oh, and you know that. Okay. Praise the Lord. Right. But see, from that unbelief of the Pharisees came every twisting and misapplying of Scripture. Because there was unbelief. Which is why when Jesus didn't come and make any attempt to overthrow the government like they wanted him to, they couldn't get past that to see that he actually fulfilled every scripture, uh, that 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 every scripture that's um, every scripture that he fulfilled every scripture about himself. Let me say it that way. Running out of words. Yeah, he actually did everything he said. He actually fulfilled all of the word of God, but they didn't see it because they had in their mind that the Messiah was going to free them from the earthly government and he actually had something better in mind right what has the Pharisees done but they've already exchanged a faith relationship watch this for a sight relationship they exchanged faith for sight they had the written word of God that told them everything they needed to know about Jesus but he wasn't the Jesus they wanted, and so they didn't believe him. They refused to. And when they came seeking a sign, Jesus said, no, I'm not going to give you a sign. I'm not going to do it. Signs. Infidelity. A lack of trust. A lack of belief. A lack of relationship. Right? Adulterous, God said. You know, there's Christians who look for signs as well, though. Well, we don't say it like this. We don't say it like this, do we? Now, sometimes, I need to say something. <laughs> um, but he said this. Well, I know, right? But I want to see. I know what God said, but if I could just see, fill in the blank, it would really help me. Is his word not helpful? See where we're going here? Yeah. I see, you know, I, I know God can't lie, but if God would just, would just show me, fill in the blank, boy, I tell you, it'd be a lot easier. Okay. Well, if he can't lie, why can't you just believe what he said? You see what I'm saying? How we ask for things outside of the word of God? That, watch, that really are kind of destructive to our relationship with God? I'm not talking about confirmation. 
No, listen, friends, sometimes we have the word of God. We pray about it. We we seek confirmation because we want to make sure it's of God and not of just our flesh or of something else. And we don't want to go off into something that God is not pleased with. And I know we ask for things of confirmation. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about when we test, when we turn the tables on on God and make him prove himself that uh, 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 and, and prove himself to us. I'm talking about when we test and ask for signs that way. No, no, that is destructive to our relationship with God. People say, I believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. But if there were, if there were just some more evidence. I mean, I don't know. You got to listen, there's, uh, there's men out there all, all over the place. The, the majority of their ministry, I'm not talking about independent Baptists, but I'm saying the majority of these people's ministry is really to go outside of the word of God to prove the word of God. And that sounds so stupid to me. Andy Stanley said the, ver- the, the authenticity of the Christian faith doesn't hang on the veracity of the Bible. How does that make sense to any Bible-believing Christian? Yeah. He's trying to win atheists by showing them, well, we have extra biblical things to prove God. Wait, God has revealed himself through his word, and you have extra biblical things to prove the veracity of the Bible and, and, and who God is. Friend, that's insanity. Yeah. But careful. We can do that in a smaller way, in a, in a light way. Andy Stanley, light. <laughs> we can. Yeah. It's even possible for believers to desire some external evidences to help them continue their walk with God. Really what Jesus is saying here to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, there's a little bit of an application here. That really it's a small form of infidelity, a lack of trust. It reveals we're not walking by faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. Yeah. It reveals an underlying doubt in the Word of God. when you get to that place, listen to me, he's not going to give you a sign. Because giving you a sign really undermines the relationship. And why would he do that? If the relationship is fostered and grown by faith and trust and faith in his word, why would he give you a sign to undermine that relationship that he wants with you? Seems kind of counterproductive, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. So let me ask you this tonight and I'll be done. How's your marriage with Jesus tonight? How's the relationship going? Are you trusting what he said? Or are you waiting on the sidelines for some evidence? Now, I think every one of us have maybe have things in our life that we, you know, the Holy Spirit of God, we read the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God directs us and there's things that we want, need to apply it to our life, things that we need to implement in, in our walk with Christ. And uh, there are some things that come up when we go, mm, yeah, yeah, I, uh, I don't know about that one. Right. Are you sure? Are you sure? I need a sign. No, we don't say I need a sign. But watch. We seek to move forward at the word of God because really we're just waiting for something else, right? The sign that we don't ever say we're looking for. But we end up not being obedient because really what we're doing is we're waiting 
for something else outside of the Word of God to help us along. You can fill in all of your own illustrations there. Right. Boy, should I really tithe? Well, if God would just give me $1,000 this week, by gump, I'll give 10%. You know, then I'll know. Then I'll know. Right. If God would do this, then I'll know. Right. Are you believing what he said? Or are you constantly trying to get some additional proof? See, a real relationship with Jesus is a relationship of trust and belief. We hear his word, we believe his word, we live his word. It's based on the word of God. It's based on what he said. You know what I think some people need to do in their Christian life? There comes a time in their life when they just need to draw a line in the sand. They need to to drive a stake in the ground that, listen, no matter what happens, no matter what comes in life, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe the word of God, even if I don't see the fireworks or, or the angels writing it out in the sky for me. Right? I'm just going to believe what he said. Amen. I'm going to live it. Obviously, if you really believed it, we'd live it, right? So what am I saying tonight? If you, if you have His Word, quit looking for more. Right? Quit looking for more. Watch. Because if you have His Word, really nothing else is more. Right? Hebrews? By, I think six, I believe it is. By, by two mutable things where it's impossible for God to lie. Well, I, I don't know if he's, you know, there may be some, some scribal errors in our Bible. And I just need to make sure there's no scribal errors. Boy, what a weak God you have. Right. That man could really mess it up. Yeah. David said, thy word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. Amen. We have it or we don't. Right? Psalm 12, you can argue Psalm 12. I know people argue it all day long. And they argue what, 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 what God is uh, promising to preserve. But go back and look at the 12th Psalm. Man has his words and God has his words. And it's God's words that are preserved. He says, I'll preserve them. He doesn't preserve the poor. Could you imagine? Oh, I'm so thankful God preserved me poor. And there's no hope at all for me to ever become unpoor. Right? It's like there's a... In America, there's hope. Well, maybe not in India. But anyway, go look at, go look at Psalm 12. His words, are, he, 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 uh, he preserves his word. We have it today. We have it today. Watch. If you're looking for something more than his word, there is nothing more. There is nothing more. If God can't lie, then any other addition we need to his word is really, this is rough, but it's really an attack on his character. Because we're going, I don't know. No, I'm not saying, I'm not talking about misunderstanding, like trying to get clarity on a passage. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about, boy, I don't really know what this means. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you have his word and you know what it means and the Holy Spirit of God has moved you in that word uh, to act upon that word and you go, "Eh, I don't know, I want some more. I need a sign. If I had a sign, then I'll, I'll be convinced. I'll be convinced. So how is your marriage tonight? Do you believe him? Do you believe him? 
Or is there anything in, in your life that is skirting around the problem of infidelity? May God help us to believe his word. Just believe what he said. Believe what he said. And go out and live it. Because you're not going to get a sign. Not that. No, you're not. I remember as a kid saying, God, if you just do this, make the clock blink twice. <laughs> you look at the clock. No. I actually had a digital clock. It was pretty cool. Anybody? Am I the only one that did weird stuff like that, right? Okay. Probably. Yeah. Hey, hey, you know why I did that? I didn't even know the Word of God. <laughs> right? That's a lot of the... I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's hard to trust the Word of God when you don't know it. Yeah. Amen. Father, thank you tonight. We can trust you. Lord, what else could you do in our life, what else could you do more than you've done to help us to trust you more? Lord, we could spend hours going over all sorts of just facts and statistics and, and uh, things like that of, of the miracle of just having your word in our hand today, knowing it is uh, inspired, knowing it is infallible, knowing it is without error. We have so much that we could just look at that alone. And we have the witness of the Holy Spirit of God. We have so much that you've given us to just trust you. God, would you help us to become people who have a stronger relationship with you? Would you help us to become a people that just believe your word? Instead of questioning it all the time, instead of fretting over it all the time, when we don't see, like we saw in Sunday school, you know, sometimes so much time goes between uh, the time that God promises deliverance and when deliverance comes, and in those times between, uh, boy, the doubts and the questions come. Would you help us not to be that type of a person? Would you help us to be a child of yours that just believes your word? And though the time goes on and we don't see it and we don't see the fruition of what, we're, what we've been promised and what we're looking at, and we don't see certain things that we think we ought to see, that we would just step back and say, no, I trust you. This is what you said. Whether I see it or not yet, I trust you. Would you help us to be that person? We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand, would you please? The piano, the instrument's going to play over there. And I don't know how the Lord has spoken to you tonight. I think everybody in this room would probably want a stronger relationship with God and their trust and belief and reliance on His Word. Maybe there's been some lingering things in your own life that you've seen. Lord, I, 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 okay, I see this and that, but I, would, you just, would you just do this now and then I'll really, if you just do this, I would really believe you know it's hard for me to believe that anybody in this this crowd here tonight would ever be there but I don't know that we're all in different places and I tell you what as Satan can have heydays in our minds at times and cast all sorts of doubts maybe tonight you just need to drive that stake in the ground 
and just say, I believe you. No matter what I see on the outside, I'm not going to ask for a sign from heaven. I have your word. Amen. Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer tonight. Remember, uh, Brother Klein, Klein's funeral this Thursday, um, 11, 11 a.m. And I don't know yet if who is allowed to be at the 